You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you? Healthy and alive. That's good because, uh, you know, COVID's not around anymore. I think it took a hiatus. But you see the World Health Organization is trying to bring it back. Oh, there's multiple groups that are trying to bring it back. They're saying there's uh-huh. spikes in Arizona and Texas and uh-huh. uh, a few other states. Yeah. It's a shame uh, that, they, uh, that they lost all that credibility. So now we're not able to, uh, you know, really believe in a word they say anymore. You know, it's too bad GP's not in here. He could give us an update on coronavirus uh, if he was here. GP, are you here? You here? No? Yes? No, I think he's not here. I thought I thought maybe he'd be monitoring. Well, the, the thing about the, the coronavirus bit, all the articles I'm seeing that are talking about it aren't giving numbers. I want to see, they're saying it's a spike. How much of a spike? Uh, was it was it a rise of two cases? You know, well, I mean, is it a rise of 200 cases? Uh, they're not giving me numbers on it. And that's, you know, most of the major media outlets that I've looked through talking about it. <laughs> They don't list any numbers on it. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the states that I've seen, they'll say, uh, well, we're only seeing 70 cases this week. And, you know, so far, well, I thought it was going to be like this big explosion. If we opened everything up, then it was just going to everything was going to explode and we we're going to see a second wave and people were going to die. And I mean, the, you know, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming and you're a terrorist if you come out of your house and we're going to arrest you. And we're, I mean, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But where is it? It's not there. As a matter of fact, New York City just reopened, didn't it? All lockdowns are done, all, all that stuff. Yeah, for now. Until the second wave comes around and they'll try yeah, to lock right. it down again. Yeah, right, right, right. I, I think people are, are intelligent enough to see through that now. Speaking of New York, I want to get your take on this, right? Because I've seen several videos of this stuff, right? And Trump's getting, he's getting hammered on this because of was what he said. Uh, this guy mm-hmm. that got smashed down by the cops in mm-hmm. New York, right? What, what's the deal with this guy? The guy that knocked over there, like he's bleeding out of his ear, now, this is what mm-hmm. I've heard. This is what I've heard. I've heard that this guy is he's an older uh, agitator, right, for for organi- like protest groups. I, this is what I've heard. Is that what this guy is? Do, do we know that for sure? Um, those are the reports I've heard. I don't know specifically if he is, but I do know. So when you watch the video, what he's doing is he's he's has a cell phone in his right hand and he's kind of swing it close to the one officer and then swings it close to the other officer. And there, I believe what the president was saying is he was actually trying to get the, the radio frequency that the officers were using. And I do know for a fact, there are apps on, on your phone that do just that and are, uh, you know, allow you to find the frequency and everything and whether, mm-hmm. uh, what his intentions were of getting the frequency, you know, uh, just monitoring, or if he was going to try to, you know, spam that frequency with junk data to scramble their communications. I don't know, but nonetheless, he was doing that. And he also hit the officer with his phone. That's when he got pushed. He fell over and he started bleeding from the ear, not from the head, by the way, like back of the head or anything where he impacted on the concrete. It was his ear. So I, I, and I it was instant. Whole... It was instant. Yeah, it was instant. Yeah. I mean, there, there like was, I saw, yeah, so I don't know. I saw what he was. I saw the video. I, I watched it and yeah. I, I watched it in slow-mo. I think you did too. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, we watched it separately, but I, I think we've both seen the same video and the camera kind of doesn't catch the angle when he goes down, but right. 
all of a sudden he's down and he's bleeding out of the ear. And I'm talking like, like you can see that clearly I'm looking at the, the screenshot. You can see the pool underneath of it. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I've never seen that happen to anybody. I, I've never seen that happen. I'm not saying it can't. But I mean, unless, of course, you like I mean, I guess if you bust an eardrum, it's not like you're going to see some blood, but nothing like that. I, I, I don't know that it's that quick when you bust an eardrum. I've I've not ever done it. I've not seen anyone that's done it. I, I'm not a doctor. So I, you know, I can't really specify on this, but my, my basic understanding is when you fall and hit your head, especially on concrete and you split your head open, it's usually where you hit your head, not some other part of your head that right. cracks open. So right. I, I, it, it looks, it looks sketchy, suspicious. Maybe he had some kind of condition or something beforehand and it just aggravated it. I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, the reports are saying that when he was the, the when the medics came in and were helping him, uh, he was laughing and cutting up with the medics and and seemed fine. And from my experience with concussions, you're not really in a joking mood when you have a concussion. <laughs> That's true. I've had a concussion before. Uh, a few years back, I had one. I was not in any kind of mood for like a week. I was just like, "Go away, leave me alone. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to hear anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around anything. I just want to lay here and be left alone. Go away." So it was a it was a pretty, pretty horrible experience, not to mention painful. So it says here that he remains in critical condition. So he's like he's in the hospital with all this. Like he's still there in in critical condition. Well, here's my from I'm wanting to say it was CNN reported uh, after this happened and he was in stable condition. That's all they said was stable condition. And. My understanding is he's been posting on Twitter, so I'm not really sure if he's in critical condition or not. I don't know. It's it's a bit sketchy, the information that we're getting. It, it, it's, yeah, one side is saying he's stable and fine and actually has been released, and others are saying he's in critical condition, so I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know. Uh, the three officers, they were suspended, like, immediately when this came out. Uh, they were, su- so, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess uh, it looks bad. I mean, visually, it, it looks bad. So I don't know. All right. Wait a minute. Was that it was in New York, wasn't it? I'm wanting to say it was Buffalo. But was it uh, Buffalo? Yeah. OK. All right. I thought it was New York City. I All right. My so. mistake. OK. Right. So do you, you're aware of the fact that there's been some looting going on, I think, here recently. You, you've heard about that? I've heard of a handful of stores that have been looted. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it just off chance that there's been some looting going on. It's just a strange thing. I mean, it, I mean, you really you you hate to see that kind of thing, you know, especially in today's world. Now it says that with all the looting and stuff going on, people that are actually going onto social media and saying that, hey, you know, I stole this and I got this and this is what I got and you know, this is what we stole from this place. Blah blah blah. They're now selling their stolen goods on like Facebook. Yep. <laughs> I mean, th- this is just uh, I'm crazy. Not, I'm not sure what they're into. Like. Do they not think the cops are going to notice and like keep track of that? Like, well, you would think so. And where's Facebook? Well, that's just it. That's that's just it. And more to the fact, I think they're supporting most of this. Right. I mean, they've come out and publicly endorsed all this stuff, haven't they? Aren't they one of the companies? At least I thought it was Ubisoft, which is the video game company. Pepsi is a company that's endorsed. Intel has endorsed. Those are the three that I know for sure. All right. So we've got Cisco, Airbnb, Dropbox, uh, Ubisoft, Intel, and Pepsi. Well, anyway. All right. So one woman, right, she posted a Facebook Live video. You know how they can broadcast on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She posted a Facebook Live video. Uh, and then 
Uh, let me see. On May 31st, she did this. It got 6,600 views and 41 shares. It showed uh, looting at a strip mall and a van filled to the brim. So she was out filming the looting. A second public Facebook Live video posted days later, a woman stands behind the videos and photos posted on her page, admitting out loud that she had looted herself. So she called out the people tagging the police in the video and then defended her selling of the looted clothing and liquor, referring to it as stolen, saying it wasn't the first time. They had heard the call just a few weeks ago. FBI is looking into photos and videos from anyone who witnessed that, calling it unlawful encounters, referring to the violence and destruction of property that broke out in the Chicago area and, other, uh, and others for days. So, like, they're taking it seriously, and they're looking at all these videos. I guess the FBI is working with Facebook to try and match up faces and all this stuff, which that was something that had happened. I showed you a video, and I think you had already previously seen it when I was sharing it with you. And it was people running into that sports store. And I mean, just by the by the hundreds, they were running in and out of that place with stuff. And one woman even parked her car, ran in, stole and then went back out to her car, drove a block down, parked and went back. And you were telling me that the FBI is now using that particular video to try and ID people and then go after them, right? Yeah, not just that video, any video showing protesters or rioters in this case, breaking in and looting stuff. Uh, you know, you post a video. Uh, your face is on there. They're going to be tracking it and tracking you down. And you'll probably get uh, a bill in the mail. <laughs> Would you go out in an opportunity like this, Bruce? Exercise Would your... Would I go uh, out and, and, and loot? <laughs> I'm just joking. No. I know you wouldn't do that. No, no. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, they are actually... So local police officers, uh, excuse me, local police departments, sheriff's offices, FBI, they're all looking into all this video and stuff that's out there. And it's just... I, I find it appalling that people go out in there and do this. I mean, this rioting, this looting, this burning, smashing storefront. I mean, come on. Come on. Well, I mean, what what are you doing? That's not helping anybody. I've been saying that from day one and all this stuff. All of us have. That doesn't help anybody. How does that help your community? What's going to happen? You bust up all these stores. What are people going to do? They're going to leave. They're going to leave. Same thing with these people that are disbanding police departments, like what's happening in Minneapolis, disbanding the police department. What's going to happen? The property value up there is going to do what over the next 12 months? If you have no police department, I mean, Record lows. for crying out loud, I would be calling up U-Haul as fast as I could right now if I lived in Minneapolis. That's what I'd be doing. That's just crazy. I've, you ever been to a country? I, I would, you, ever, you ever been to a country that doesn't have a police department? Not very nice. Mm, mm -mm. Not very nice. Just saying. Uh, if I lived in a large city, I, I would be calling up U-Haul or Pinsky or whatever your preferred moving yep. method is and uh, be out. I'd, I'd be, no. Uh, I'm, smaller communities is uh, much nicer. You know, that kind of goes along with uh, what I saw today. Uh, this is uh, wealthy buyers, right? People that live in cities are looking to get out, right? Wealthy buyers reportedly in a mad rush to leave San Francisco, right? They're, they're bailing. They're selling everything they got. Says the demand for real estate is unexpectedly high in wealthy regions outside of San Francisco. So the ones that are in the cities are looking to get out. They're moving out to the suburbs. Amid the depths of the global pandemic and the financial downturn caused by the global pandemic, which was a bunch of nonsense, by the way, the demand for real estate is unexpectedly rocketing in wealthy regions outside of San Francisco. Where's GP when I need him? to talk about real estate. Agents say that the demand is soaring in affluent areas around the Bay Area, such as Napa, Marin, and further afield in Carmel, uh, as people who have the means to look to get away from the city. Meanwhile, the market in San Francisco and Alameda County is still well below where it was last year. So see, people are not moving into the cities. They're moving out. 
We've been talking about what's been going on with California. People moving. There, there's more people moving out of the state than are moving in. At least, well, GP can go into further. I wish he was here. He can go into further detail about how they're doing that. But the amount of new home buying, I think, is actually dropping. I mean, I know some people that have moved out there, but I mean, what? I don't know. It's just, it, it's crazy. But as this continues, this is what's going to happen. So it goes on to say that the prospect of living out of the city on an alpine lake while maintaining a career is appealing for a new generation of young buyers, as many tech companies have signaled that their remote work may be the new norm for a long time. All that new normal stuff again. This is what we talked about a while back, wasn't it, Bruce? In the midst of all this, like the, back in the day when the coronavirus was going on, you know, you, know, you remember that time all that time ago? Mm-hmm. This is what we talked about. People leaving states, leaving cities that refused to open economies would go into a downturn. And so people would go where they would want to be able to live, right? Yeah. Same thing here. People are wanting to get out and away from this stuff. Do you think people want to live in an area where they're going to have their livelihood burned to the ground? How much sense does that make? And what do you, like I said, with the businesses, what do you think is going to happen to the businesses that have their stuff smashed out? Do you think they're going to turn around and say, well, we're going to rebuild right back here where we had our stuff smashed and we're going to do it again? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If they have insurance money, which, by the way, the, the, the sad thing in all this, insurance money doesn't cover stock. It doesn't cover your inventory for those that don't know. So when they go out and they burn these places to the ground, someone collects insurance money. I mean, if it were me, if I had a business there and someone burned it out, I wouldn't rebuild there. Would you? No. And honestly, a lot of these businesses are going to either not reopen, you know, they, they can't some of the smaller businesses because they spent their livelihood on it. They're just going to move somewhere else. This is going to be a, a huge downturn, downturn economically for these areas for years to come. And uh, I, I honestly, uh, I don't know. It, it, at the same time, maybe this is a boon for like Amazon. You know, maybe it'll help that business because then they'll pick up, uh, you know, the selling shoes and stuff. Maybe it'll force businesses to go online. Bob and pop shops will be even hurt even more because you have the major, I, I don't know. Uh, so it, it just, I, I feel really bad for the, the businesses there that we're trying to do, you know, trying to do right by the community and, and providing a service or, a, a you know, food, whatever. And that's, this is what they get. So Citrus Heights, okay. Citrus Heights, which is, we're, we're on California. So Citrus Heights, what's going on out there? These are people that live outside, you know, outside of the, uh, outside of the cities. What's going on out there? Police are investigating a string of arsons targeting Citrus Heights homes with American flags on displays. Four homes were targeted in the Sun Garden neighborhood early Saturday morning. So far, police say they don't know what the motive is, but people are burning burning flags. They're burning the American flags, people that have flags outside of their home. Okay, we're going to have a conversation here about free speech, okay? This is a controversial topic when it comes to this particular thing. I've been seeing it for years. The ACLU, those organizations, those rallies back in the day, what happened? They'd get together, they'd burn American flags and all that stuff in the name of civil liberties. How much sense does that make? It's contradictory on the surface of it, just in and of itself. This is why those organizations have a bad name, or at least they used to in the public eye, which largely they still do, with the exception of of certain cities and universities. Bruce, what's your opinion on people that burn American flags? Do you think it's their right to do so? We talk all the time about rights and, and constitutional stuff and, and things of that nature. I mean, I think it's disrespectful. I, I think it's disrespectful because I'm of the opinion, if you don't like it, there's nothing keeping you there, right? There's nothing keeping you there. So why are you why are you sitting there? Why are you trashing the place where you come from? You know, I don't live in the United States at the moment. Grew up there. U.S. citizen. Born and raised. Proud to be an American. Always will be. But due to other circumstances, I'm not there at the moment. So that doesn't mean because I don't live there. It doesn't mean that I don't love my country, love the idea of of America. 
doesn't mean that. I respect that more than anybody could ever understand because I've been outside of it and I understand what the rest of the world is like to a great extent. So what are your thoughts on yeah. people that burn flags? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, so uh, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit of a, a different stance on it. Okay. I'm personally, I'm not for it. I don't like it personally. I wouldn't do it at the same time. I, I, I kind of see this as uh, on the same, same vein of hate speech, right? That's, that's kind of how I see it, but I'm not necessarily against hate speech. That's your first amendment, right? I would much rather know where your position is, what you believe, than to have you keep it quiet and I not know and not be able to... If your opinion is so weak, if your stance is so shaky on a subject that you have to silence anybody that wants to you know, contradict that, then maybe you should look at either readjusting your stance or finding out how to prove your stance you know, justified or whatever you want to call it. So with that in mind, that's why I'm okay with hate speech. If you're standing by your hate speech and you can justify it, prove it, or, you know, have a debate about it, you know, civilly have a debate about it and, you know, prove yourself right or, or then fine, you know, but I want to know where people's positions are, where their stances are. So I'm okay with other people doing it, though I don't like it. No, it's a good point. It's a good point because, I mean, we're, we're all about the First Amendment, right? That gives you the right to say whatever you want, though I think we, we kind of differ a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think your free speech ends when you call for violence. I mean, that, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You say that free speech is a literal. I mean, free speech. That's what it is. But also at the same time, I don't think we disagree because we both believe that it comes down to the personal responsibility of the individual. Right. Mm-hmm. So you right. should be personally responsible enough to realize, hey, what I'm going to say is going to be wrong and it's going to cause harm to someone else. So I'm not going to say it. That's essentially where I'm at on it. So, I mean, the whole idea of this, you know, going out and, and yelling fire in a crowded theater, I don't like people that, that take that term uh, out of context because, I mean, yes, I, I agree that free speech means free speech. I get it. But at the same time, we don't have that element of personal responsibility any longer. We used to, but we don't anymore. We, we've moved on as a society. I think we've become more decadent. We've become more irresponsible. The family's been under attack for the better part of a half century. Uh, our institutions, such as uh, churches and, and schools, have been largely promoting the wrong type of message. I'm not saying all of them do that, but all of that plays a part. Same thing with a home life, right? Your family institution, if that's been destroyed, well, that's the second part of your life education. You know, when I was growing up, and I'm sure you, uh, same, same with you, you got two educations. You got the education in school. Well, actually, it was three, technically. You got, you know, you could wrap it up into two, though, I guess. You got the education at school, right? The academic side of it. And then you got an education at home on how to behave in society and how to develop the responsibility and be productive, right? Be a better person. That was the idea. And so mm-hmm. you were told at home and also, you know, family life also included church, by the way, you were told, hey, look, have some manners, be respectful and don't do this and don't do that. But you can do this or how to carry yourself, how to dress, how to uh, present yourself with some respect, how to treat people that all played a part in it. But now all that stuff has been has been removed when you remove that underpinning of society. That's the fundamental foundation of of any civilization is the family unit. And of course, family unit, what comes with that? Everything that I just mentioned. So if you remove that and you infiltrate the other side of that, which would be the education, the academic side of it, the EDU side of it, then the end result seems clear, right? 
you're not going to have that personal responsibility. You're not going to have someone that understands what rights they have or how to respect those rights that you've been given uh, or anything like that at all. This is why these people are out there now erasing all this, uh, erasing all this history because people have been dumbed down. They've had that underpinning part of society removed, so they don't get any of what we got. This new generation, they don't get any of that, and so they don't realize because they're in the process of erasing history. They don't know history, so they don't realize that they even have any rights. They've never been taught that they have any rights. They've never been taught that they need to be responsible. They've never been taught. That this is how you should present yourself and this is what you need to do in order to be this in, in life. They've never been taught that. So if you don't have that education, one, two or three educations, if you don't have that in your upbringing, well, then you don't stand for anything, do you? That's okay. Well said. I figured. All right. Figured I thought that. you were going to go on with it. All right. We could we could keep going with that. All right. So I read this morning there's a guy and you're you're probably going to have to talk on this one because it's, I'm locked out of it uh, to a great extent. But it says here that I, because I want to I want to bring this up because this is important. Man arrested for driving into protesters in Virginia is a KKK leader, police say. Is that what this guy is? Because this guy that I'm looking at, right, ugly looking white dude, <laughs> and it says the accused by his own omission and by a cursory glance at social media is an admitted leader of the Ku Klux Klan and a propagandist for Confederate ideology. We are investigating whether hate crime charges are appropriate. Is that what this guy is? It, because we had to kind of look for this. Why wouldn't this be on every single uh, news network all across the U.S. like he's some kind of you know, mass murderers. Why, why is that not? I'm just I'm trying to figure out why is this not being shown everywhere? Because that fits the agenda of the mainstream media. So why, why is this not being shown? I don't know, actually. I'm I'm not sure. I, I can't say it's because of their um, the integrity of their reporting and they're unsure if this guy is a white supremacist. So they're not reporting on it until they find right. out more facts. I can't right. say it's that because they don't do that for anything. So <laughs> right. I. Right. I don't I honestly don't know why this isn't picked up more steam. This is exactly what they want, right? It's a white guy that's a white supremacist. It pushes the narrative that they're pushing right now. So, I don't really know. This is the only coverage I've seen is like a, a news article online. I haven't actually seen yeah. anyone talking about it past past that. It's just it's just really odd because I mean, th this is the kind of stuff that they usually go straight after, right? With the agenda. Yeah. Well, what if the agenda is a political agenda where they're eventually they want to stay away from that for the time being while they develop a political party called BLM or whatever it may be, or this new party, because obviously Joe Biden can't beat Trump. This is going to go conspiracy. Everybody get their tinfoil hats on. Ready? Hold on. Let me get my hold on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, get your tinfoil go hats on, guys. I want to get my tinfoil right. hat and I want to get my tinfoil mask on. So, yeah. All right. Go ahead. You got your tinfoil mask on? Yeah. Good. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. That helps. It really does. It All does, right. Yeah. If you're looking at doing a political party and political agenda, what you want to do is you you don't want to you want to start steering your party away from like say BLM say BLM is this new political party which it is you stop wanting to you don't want to scare off all your white participants by saying look all white people are racist because that's where it's going to go white people are racist white people are racist so you're going to scare off your constituents with that rhetoric okay. so now what you're going to want to do is start eliminating going after white supremacists you can stop seeing white supremacists and you're going to start seeing them focusing more on improvement of our community lgbt rights and stuff i'm telling you this is what you're going to start seeing because this is how you do a political movement 
And as they do, because obviously Joe Biden is not going to win, right? Does anybody believe that Joe Biden is going to win? Again? No, no, he ain't going to make it. So I've been saying that the Democrats are going to have to do something. Now, I don't know what. No, but create a new party called BLM. Exactly. How about exactly. A new party called exactly. That's going to exactly. run. That's going to run. You create this new party and you find you find some candidates that can run against Trump. And then you're going to make a statement of, well, if you don't vote for our candidate, you're a racist. Well, that's basically what's going to come across. Initially, you don't want to focus in on race grouping because a political party, especially in its infancy, doesn't want to start doing race grouping because they want to bring in as many people as they can. So they're going to go out and they're going to really reach out to the LGBTQ community and they're going to really want to bring them in. They have to bring them in. Because this is a movement of people that get things done. Okay. I'm not saying that the majority, okay. they get things done and that's important. You've okay. got a group of people that get things done and that's fantastic. I love when an organization can go out there and get things done because that's amazing. But they're going to start allying themselves with them to get their agenda start pushing. Well, if you get all of these groups, whether it's these socialists, communist groups, the LGBTQT community – the black community, the Hispanic community, get them all together. It outnumbers. What? Do I hear a cat? Oh, my God, yes. He's got a talking sock and everything. <laughs> my cat has got a talking sock. It's complicated to tell you. That keeps oh it God. real, though. Keeps it real. Okay, so let me ask you this. No, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but mm-hmm. why would they do that? Because everybody knows. You that can bring in a new po- politician. Well, yes, but the, the, the race politic argument People are tired of it. So I don't think now just bear with me for a second. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that people are going to jump on board with that. You'll have the radical element of society and then you'll have the people that are fueling that. Yes, I agree with that side of it. But why would you do that and not say have the emergence of, say, like an established political party now that merges with it? And have the banner carried by, say, example, the DSA, which is allied okay. with the BLM. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Because look who they look. Look who the the Democrats have put up there. Joe Biden. Really? Does he represent that community? Well, Seriously. no, no. That's why I'm saying have the DSA come out and carry mm-hmm. the carry the flag for it. But you would have because not two- everyone's part of not everyone's part of that. Not, a lot of people are against that. If okay. you get a party that's basically like BLM. Make it, you know, it's a political party, BLM, have their own candidate and have all the others underneath that. Because everyone's afraid to say, you know, it's not just black lives, it's all lives. And that's what everyone's afraid to do. So that they're going to go ahead and get an entire group of people to go on that side. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, hopefully they get a candidate that is looking out for the best interest of everyone. Because that isn't that what's the most important Yes, it Let's is. Let's get a candidate out there. If they if they pull out, I'm not kidding you. I, I'm not kidding you. If they pull out a candidate that I know has had a history of fairness, that it cares about our community and our country, I will vote for them. I'm not kidding you. Even though some of the parties are a certain way, a person is vocal and will tell you like it is. Because this, there are people out there like that. They care about every single group of people. When you vote for somebody that cares about everyone, even though their party sucks, because all the parties suck, right? Uh, you agree? All the, all all the, the parties yeah, suck? Oh, yeah. All the parties suck. Yes. So why would this one be any different? This one would suck, too. Well, do you think Trump's a Republican or do you think no. he's a Libertarian? No, I, I don't think he. Well, <laughs> technically, you know what he is? Technically. What? 
He's a classic Democrat. That's what he is. Classic Democrat. Yeah, he's a classic. That's Democrat. what he is. He's and a classic Democrat. He's a Kennedy-esque type Democrat. That's yeah. why I like some of the stuff that he does. I don't agree with everything he does. I certainly not. I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. agreed with anything or everything that any president does, nor should you. But mm-hmm. he, in this case, he is not the problem in all this. The no. past, the past, shall we say, ruling people are the problem in all this. That's that festering swamp that we talk about. Everybody likes to talk about with um, the swamp or the deep state or any of that stuff. That's the problem in all this. Now, here's the issue. You've got the Senate hearings happening now. They're happening Mm -hmm. now. The Obama gate. These are past uh, politicians. These are more politicians. They're just involved in a whole lot of bad stuff. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. And these are people that are involved in previous administrations and they're being called in. Right. It's the the scandals called Obamagate. There's a hashtag trending on Twitter now. I'm not saying anything that's, you know, no, you know, not everyone knows. But if you would turn on the TV, you wouldn't know anything about it. Wouldn't be there. They've got 30 indictments of people coming in to testify before Senate subcommittees within the next 48 hours from the Mm -hmm. Obama administration. Why aren't there any news cameras on that? Why isn't there a reporter sitting in there with a with a notebook? taking down things to to call into whatever, you know, whoever he works for. You'd never know that. So I think bringing it here. Here's where I'm at on it. Since we're I'm going to try and stick with parties here since we're talking about parties. We've had this talk before about, you know, parties suck, right? They're they're corrupt and they got to go, you know, that kind of stuff. But see, here's the other side of that argument. How about this? Right. What what would you think? And I'm I'm not saying that I'm for or against this. I'm just floating an idea here because I heard this one. And I I mean, I think it bears relevance for discussion. You keep the two party system, right, because that's that's what that's how our system's constructed. You keep the two party system. But one of the parties has to go away and be replaced, which I think they're in the process of doing. Right. Democrats are probably going to go away, be replaced. Right. That seems to be the trend or they're going to be merged into one. And so you'll have that as as the so-called new system. However, how about this? The only way to stop this would be to I mean, it's, it's going to have to be a multi thing, a multi-stage thing because you're going to have to deal with social media on top of it. But that's a side issue. That's another thing in and of itself. What's your stance on outlawing ideologies that don't allow you to speak? What about that? Of course, I'm against that free speech. But you've you you're traveling. I'm traveling. You know how many countries? How many countries have you been in where you have to really where you get the little pamphlet to saying uh-huh. you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't yeah. say this, you can't well, say yeah, that. Yeah, pretty yeah. Su- it sucks. Pretty bad. Yeah. Can't say yeah, anything yeah. against law enforcement. Uh-huh. You can't say anything against political party. You can't say right. anything against you know president, whatever it may be. And it's punishable by up to life in prison. Mm-hmm. That's authoritarianism. Not so. That that's okay. not. So if a, if a political let me ask you this, if a political party, I, I have a way I'm going with this. If a political okay. party emerges in the United States mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and is against free speech, unless it's speech mm-hmm. that they agree with, shouldn't mm-hmm. that be outlawed immediately? The regulation of free speech, yes, should be outlawed. <laughs> no, the political party, the ideology itself. Example, example, the Nazi party, no. the, the Nazi party's no. outlawed where I'm at. It's outlawed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's a tyrannical party, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the idea of them. So either for free speech or against it, man. If a political party emerges, should we allow that? Mm-hmm. So basically, what you're saying is, if an organization, a group comes up, a political party that comes up and says any kind of speech against a certain group is wrong, like they've silenced that. Uh huh. Should we allow that? So if I was to say anything negative about the homosexual community, this political party says. You can't do that. You should be silenced. I'm banned from X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we allow that? Because you have to submit 
to that particular ideology. Otherwise, you can't exist, essentially. So should that be legal? There's a lot of, shall we say, details I, I would need in all of that. If it's a political party that's that's silencing people using the government, then yeah, that, that should be dealt with. Yes. Okay. Yes. If that. Okay. Let's let's go with that. Let's go with that. If they're using the power of the state to shut you up and basically make you persona non grata, if they're doing that, then I'm sorry. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be allowed. In my opinion, that shouldn't be allowed. I'm sorry. Yeah. That should be outlawed. Yeah. If they're. Yeah. Right. If it's if it's the state doing that, but if it's a business or or that's tyranny or a a right. But if it's a business or a group doing it, then well, I mean. Don't interact with that business or group. <laughs> you know, find some other place to go. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's that's kind of my stance. Yeah. Okay. A senator has come out. Lisa Murkowski. She's a Republican from Arkansas. She's dismissed President Donald Trump's threat to primary her on Monday, saying that she cannot live in fear of the president's Twitter account. She says that she's recently praised former Secretary of Defense uh, Mattis and his attacks against. Uh, President Trump. Mattis said that Trump was the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people. (laughs) Mattis. He must have been living under a rock. I I was going to say, I think he's been living under a rock for the last three and a half years or something like that. I'm not not sure. But she has said that his comments... Like multiple decades. Yeah. But... Okay, all right. I'll go with that one too. She has said that Mattis's comments were true and honest and necessary and overdue. She was asked by reporters whether she supported the president. She replied, I'm struggling with it, and I've struggled with it for a long time. So you don't support the U.S.? Is that how it is? You don't, you don't support the U.S. Constitution? You don't support the document you swore an oath to? Lady? Senator? What the hell's wrong with you? Said, I cannot live in fear of a tweet. That's where I am now. Okay. Uh, by the way, she's from Alaska, not Arkansas. I'm sorry. So these people are now concerned. This is the argument I made. We can talk about social media here for a second. This is the argument I made about uh, about social media. If you make so much as a comment on anything that doesn't toe the line that's being forced on society, then they take all that stuff away from you. You get mobbed. You get, you know, especially if you're a public official, this is terrorism, in my opinion. And it's being done in conjunction with tech companies such as Twitter and Facebook. That's what's happening. We talked about the definition of terrorism. Can you pull it again for me, please? Just so we're clear on it, we can define it. Terrorism. You want just the dictionary definition? Yep. Or do you want it. the, Text- the no, FBI's? No. Well, right. OK, let's do the, let's do both. <laughs> let's let's do the um, let's do the textbook. Right. What is it? The unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against citizens in the pursuit of political aims. All right. So from what we're seeing now, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK. Re- referring to current events. Yes. Specifically. Yes. Yes. yes but then groups like Antifa and the rest of them, you know, like they, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's what they're doing. OK. The FBI definition, please. FBI says uh, it is. Uh, let's see here. The international terrorism definition is violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups who are inspired by or associated with designated foreign terrorist organizations or nation states. There's also domestic terrorism, which is violent criminal acts committed by individuals or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences such as those of a political, religious, social, racial or environmental nature. Okay, so I think all of those, I mean, that pretty well sums it up, right? You you look at the three definitions they've got there. I mean, that's pretty well rounded. So that covers a lot of different things that we're seeing. And so she's worried about living in fear of a tweet. And she says that's where she is now. Well, lady, why are you on those platforms? Why? Like, if, if people are 
under threat from being afraid to say something on these platforms. Why are you there? Why? That makes no well, sense to me. Yeah, but there's there's kind of a catch 22 there because that is the public forum. That is the public space now. Okay. So if you the- want to have your voice heard, where else are you going to go? The city square where there's nobody? Are you going to go to, well, I don't know, where else to use this as an example that you would go talk to people or, or express your opinions and have it heard by a large scale, large number of people? That is the public square now. Okay. So this becomes the bigger problem, right? And I'm not disagreeing with you. You're right. It is the public square now. So, but the, the problem is, is the public square is being ruled by an iron fist of people with a twisted ideology. That's what's happening. So if you don't follow the line of the bullying mob on those public square platforms, well, then what good is the public square if your only one point of view is expressed at that public square for you to abide by? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's subservience, in my opinion. That's capitulation. That's what it well, boils this down is, to. Right. This is where we're running into the the having the discussions about should uh, Google, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all these guys, should they be allowed to have platform status? And what are they allowed to do as a platform? That's kind of where this uh, this argument stems from, because having platform status means they're immune to any lawsuits for any of these kind of things for silencing or censoring these people. However, the stipulation is they're not supposed to be censoring information. So unless it's illegal and, you know, we're obviously seeing them silence people and groups and whatnot. There are people living in fear right now of what they'll say on Facebook or Twitter and what the mob's going to do to them. And, and, you know, or if Facebook or Twitter is going to ban them or, I mean, so I don't know. It's, it's definitely a bigger, there's a lot of issues there to, to go over, but yeah. It is. And it, it, I mean, if the, I get that they're not going to censor you, but they do censor you, don't they? they? I mean, they're not supposed to, but they do censor you, even whether or not they, they take it down, like your tweet or your post or whatever it is, whether or not they take it down, or if they sick the mob on you and then forces you to change your post and, and your stance on things, that's the same thing, isn't it? That's the same argument. I, I guess it's who the offender is. Uh, that's that's what it boils down to. Is it is it the government that's doing it to you? In which case, that's what the Constitution protects you from. Is it the citizenry that's doing it to you? Yeah, well, okay. I, I'm not... Uh, yeah, it, it's a... I don't know, man. It's just the these tech companies. I mean, action has to be taken. It has to be taken. Now, now it's critical for the action to be taken against those companies. Those companies don't abide by the law of the land, which is the U.S. Constitution. It gives you the right to free speech. Mm-hmm. They don't abide by that. Though they are an American right. company, they don't abide by that. They don't respect it. They don't care. So this is precisely why... I mean, I don't even understand why they were given platform status to begin with. But if they don't have platform status, well, then they can do whatever they want, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, And then people can go away or stay on this, whatever they want. But as this ideology continues, you know, I I made this reference, uh, I think it was yesterday for a little bit. And then, you know, I was talking to Marty about it this morning offline. And I said, as this this movement kind of continues and they turn the heat up on it, things are going to change. You're going to see an alteration in it. What's going to happen with it is it's going to get more and more radical. It's going to get more and more extreme. Example, you know, today it's, well, uh, you know, we want you to say this, but tomorrow this group's going to uh, be told to uh, say this. And if they don't say that, well, then, you know, that's not enough. Nothing's ever enough when it comes to totalitarianism. Nothing. Nothing is off the table. And so as they turn the heat up and as that uh, as those charges get closer and closer, (laughs) as they turn that heat up, then 
what's going to happen? People will naturally start to fall away because though they might support those groups and those public forums now, that doesn't mean they're going to support them tomorrow or three weeks from now or a month from now, because eventually what happens Eventually, what happens? All the groups that come together, this happens every time in history. All the groups that come together and say, hey, we have this common enemy. We're going to go after this person or we're going to go after this group or we're going to go after this idea. We're going to go after this country. Okay, as that progresses and they finally seize control, one group survives. Always one, not 10 or 15 or five or two. No, it's always one example. Soviet Russia. Well, before it was Soviet Russia. Bolshevik Russia. Tsarist Russia, actually. Tsarist Russia. You had the Tsar in charge. Russia was on the verge of democratic rule. Democratic rule in Russia. Early 20th century. That's where they were at. People were sick and tired of the Tsar. People were tired of what was happening. And so they were ready for a change. The Russian people were ready for a change. So what happened? Young charismatic guy by the name of Vladimir Yulinov Lenin came to power. He was the leader of what was called the Bolshevik movement. Okay, Bolshevik. What does that mean? Russian word for majority. They were aided by another group called the Mensheviks. What were the Mensheviks? Mensheviks, Russian word for minority. Okay, majority, minority. Bolshevik, Menshevik, minority, or excuse me, majority, minority. Okay, of what party? Of what party? They never tell you that part in history. If you do read that, they never tell you what party, depending on what history book you read. They were the majority and the minority of the Russian Social Democrats. That's who they were. Now, you can argue whether or not this was actually a revolution, right? The October Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution. You can argue whether or not that was actually a revolution. You can argue that because in my studies, from what I've read, that wasn't a revolution at all. You had a surf class population, right? They were very angry. They were downtrodden. They were upset. They were ready for change. And so you had the Bolsheviks come to power. What'd they do? 1,200 people took over two towns. They killed three people. That was it. You didn't have a revolution. You had an armed insurrection. That's what you had. And on top of that, what came out of it? 80 years of communism. That's what happened. 80 years of totalitarianism. Tens of millions of people dead. That's what happened. Estimated 40 to 60 million, depending on what history number you look at or history book you look at. And so my point in all this is, is what happened in the beginning? The Bolsheviks took power. Mensheviks aided them because, hey, well, we have the common enemy here. We have we have the czar, right? We have the czarist regime. We yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to fight together to to work it to overthrow that. So they did. And what happened? They weren't radical enough. They're never radical enough. The Mensheviks were not radical enough. What happened to them? They were liquidated. They were done away with. See, my point is, is that it's never radical enough. No matter what you do, they're insatiable. Totalitarians, they're insatiable. It's never enough. You're never radical enough. Fidel Castro, when he took Cuba, he marched his, his troops into Havana, which by the way, in the early days of that, who carried his message? I advise you to go back and, and read history. Who carried his message? Young, middle-class university graduates carried Fidel Castro's message. When he marched in to Havana with his troops and he seized the Capitol building, all of the Batista supporters, all of the people that served as, as administrators there, what, were, what happened to them? They were taken out on the beaches and they were shot because why not, right? They were the opposition. What they don't tell you is... What happened to the ones that aided Castro to gain power? On his side, they were labeled as counter-revolutionaries, and they joined Batista's supporters and administrators on those beaches of Havana. So, conclusion, 
doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter who you tailor to or who you appease or who you say, oh, well, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say this because of I might get banned here or I might get shut down here or I might lose this election or I might lose that. You're going to lose it all if you don't stand up for your convictions. That's the bigger picture here. And so capitulation will get you nowhere. Not with this. So, OK, that that's all I had on that uh, for today. Can we end on a positive topic? Maybe. Is that possible? Can we can we do that? There's got to be something out there just on a positive note. Bunch of Russians are out there standing naked in a protest after the uh, lockdown caused their businesses to close. <laughs> what's, with, what's with the Russians and and standing naked? Like I have no there, idea. Quite a few progress. Has to, I have no idea. That. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, actually. It's like, so Russian restaurant owners, right, stripped of their income by their coronavirus lockdowns are campaigning for their businesses to be allowed to reopen by posting pictures of themselves naked on social media. I didn't think that was a lot. Well, Russia has different social media accounts. They, they don't really they don't have like Facebook. They have other things that they use over there. Um, but hundreds of um, bar and go ahead. I don't think it's illegal here in the States to post that kind of thing on social media. I thought it was like Twitter and Facebook. No, I don't. Uh, I you just have to have the mature warning. Uh, oh, okay. I, so. I thought it was. Yeah, I didn't think you could do that. But see, that, what? Okay, so I was reading something a while back that um, there's something that adult film stars were using during all this. We covered it. They they were using something where they could make money because they they couldn't do anything through all this. So they had they were using a site to make money that people can log in and like you know tip them and give them money and all that stuff. I can't mm-hmm. think of what it was, but. They changed their policy, saying that they wouldn't allow any kind of nudity on their platform. So that just shut down, you know, the uh, the adult film star business working from their homes. They couldn't do it anymore. Well, from that platform, yeah, there's many yes. other platforms out there that are sure. doing the same thing. These uh, these Russians, hundreds of bar and restaurant cafe employees have posted photographs of themselves naked with carefully positioned plates, cups, saucepans, bottles, bar stools, and napkin holders. <laughs> <laughs> Their demand, that's creative, I'll give them that. Their demand is yeah. for authorities to allow them to start serving clients as the country gradually eases measures to stop the spread of the virus, blah, blah, blah. We're naked, because this is their message, right? For them doing this, right? This is creative, I'll give them that, because of the meaning behind mm-hmm. it. We're naked because we're left with nothing. Yeah. It says, we don't want to stage I mean, a strip yeah. show or, or fool around. We only want one thing to work. That's all they want. One guy said this. He's a chef at a Siberian city of uh, Novosibirsk. That's the best I'm going to be able to do that. In a post with a group picture of his colleagues wearing only masks and holding kitchenware. <laughs> we don't pose you more know, of a I, risk in supermarkets, shopping malls, hair salons, public transport. That, that's their argument. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I didn't think Russia had, had you know, such a bad coronavirus uh, epidemic there. You know, the all the all the reports that were coming out of Russia was, oh, no, we're fine here. There's nothing going on, which... We know that's Cold War era propaganda, but nonetheless, that's uh, that's what they were saying. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, Russia is uh, they're going to allow cafes and restaurants to open their outside terraces later in June before fully reopening on June 23rd. Indoor restaurants and bars remain closed in other parts of Russia. So, I mean, hey, you know, they, they're in the process of doing this now in uh, in Moscow. Uh, they're lifting lockdowns and, you know, businesses like shopping malls, bookstores, beauty salons, they've all reopened. So they're getting past all this and they're um, they're opening things up. But you still got people that are out there doing their their protests like that. I, you know, I got to admire them. You know, they're creative. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes to show that they're not afraid of disappearing from the KGB. Or have we gotten past that now? I don't think they have the KGB anymore, but 
um, but uh, they've replaced it with something being, else. But yeah, it's being facetious. But yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Anything else you wanted to talk? I, I'm glad we ended on a positive note. Anything else you want to talk about today, Bruce? No, I think that pretty well covers it. Okay. All right. Thanks for sitting down today. Appreciate that. Thanks for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.